All right, well, welcome, guys, to the... Well, welcome, guys, to the January uh, Youth Pastors Roundtable call. Uh, this month, we've got uh, some awesome stuff for you guys. Uh, and like I said earlier, in case you're just jumping on the call, I am currently uh, driving out through Tennessee, and so uh, we're going to be co-hosted with Cameron Hobrick, who is our uh, youth pastor at our Edmond campus, and so he's been willing to jump on and co-host this with me uh, in case if I lose signal out here in the middle of the, the I-40. Uh, and so, Cameron, you want to introduce yourself one more time, and then we'll uh, jump right in. Yeah, for sure. Hey, guys, uh, my name's Cameron Hobrick. I'm, like Ryan said, I'm a youth pastor here in Edmond of Victory Church, and Excited to be on the call with you guys today, and uh, we're, we're ready and excited to get going. Yep, so let's just go ahead and give you guys a, a couple of things. Uh, man, we, our, our desire is really just we, this call can just be a uh, monthly connection point where we just kind of hang out and talk and, and just kind of bring in some voices uh, with youth ministry and leadership and just kind of hang out, and it's feels kind of more laid back. Uh, I know that I'm, I'm in the car right now, but hopefully you guys are maybe at your desk or at your home and got a little cup of coffee going, that kind of thing. And so uh, just a little bit more casual. Uh, we're going to just kind of share some information with you guys. Uh, Joseph will be sharing. Uh, and then at the end, we'll have questions and answers, and uh, we'll walk you through how to do that. But if you guys want to just kind of take notes, uh, throughout this call, and then at the end, uh, Joseph's going to be available for question and answer for uh, probably about 20 minutes or so, and uh, we'd love for that. But I want to give you guys a couple of announcements as we get going here. One is uh, we have officially uh, started all of our booking for our travel events this this semester. So if you've got a, a youth service and uh, you'd love be interested in um, having us out, uh, we'd love to talk to you uh, about that and, and get something booked uh, for you. Uh, also, I, we generally do a lot of our traveling within Oklahoma, but uh, about once a month or so we, uh, out, we fly out and do youth services as well. And so if you are outside of Oklahoma, we'd love to talk to you about that as well. Um, also, on March 2nd, we have our preview day coming up, and so – We'd love to have any of your juniors and seniors that are available to come out and hang out with us. Uh, we'd love, love to do that. It's free to anyone that comes, and uh, it's an opportunity for them to just kind of see what BSL is like and experience it and, and see. Uh, also, I want to make you guys aware that next month we've got uh, a really great, great call with you. It's with the youth pastor from... New Life Church in Colorado Springs, Pastor Bro, uh, Brandon Cromare, and he's going to be sharing uh, about some great leadership tips and youth ministry, and uh, I'd love for you guys to be there. It will be uh, the last Thursday of the month, uh, so make sure to mark your calendars for that and make sure that you are there for, for that. Uh, also, we've got um, a special announcement coming uh, from uh, Kevin Moore, who spoke to us last time, uh, and he is going to share about something he's doing. So, uh, Kevin, are you on, on on the line yet? Cameron, is, Ke is Kevin on the line yet? I'm not seeing him on here just yet, Ryan. Okay. Well, 
let me go ahead and just uh, share with you guys a little bit about uh, what he's doing. He's got a thing that he has just uh, launched called the Youth Ministry University. And what it is is a 12-part video series that he has put together. And uh, you can go on youthministryuniversity.com and check that out. He's got some special deals for you. Uh, on that, and we will be putting that in our email after this call as well. Uh, but uh, it looks like Kevin just jumped on, so uh, Kevin, let's go ahead and switch over to Kevin. And Kevin, we can have you share a little bit about that more. Hey guys, thanks so uh, thanks so much for allowing me to come on real quick this morning. Yeah, the um, can you guys hear me, bud? Yeah, we got you. Okay, just want to make sure. Yeah, the thing about Youth Ministry University is is um, I was a youth pastor for about 24 years, and I was I was a volunteer guy for eight or nine, and served at a small church, a mega church, and kind of everything in between, and made a lot of mistakes. I learned a lot of lessons, and so we decided to uh, put together a a online video curriculum of 12 uh, one-hour courses uh, with all the lessons and guidelines, and everything, and it's. Uh, it's not the theological stuff of ministry or doctrinal stuff of ministry. It's it's the hands-on. How do I work with my senior pastor? How do I build bridges to parents? How do I do messages on a weekly basis that actually work? What what do you do for follow-up? And how do I follow up that do follow-up that works? Um, so it's it's the the day in the day out how to actually have a successful uh, student ministry and raise disciples and build momentum and all those things. And you get all the videos and all the courses at one time, so that way you can learn and grow at your own pace. Then there's an email that goes right back to me, so we can be conversing on a daily, weekly, monthly basis as much as you wish. Um, and then, um, yeah, it's a kind of an all-inclusive training school, and you get to learn and grow at your own pace. We're doing a deal where it's... Um, it goes live. YMU launches uh, March 14th, and um, we're doing a pre-enrollment. At March 14th, it's still only $9 a full year, but um, up until March 14th, it's only $75 to pre-enroll. And uh, the first 100 guys to pre-enroll get a uh, free e-book called 12 Things Every Youth Pastor Needs to Know. So if you want to find out more, just go to Grow More ymu.com that's g-r-o-w-m-o-o-r-e y-m-u.com so kevin are you saying that uh with with that university they get your email and you'll you'll be be, uh, available for a contact oh yes absolutely yeah 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 that that right there was about about four thousand dollars man so uh that's pretty fantastic (laughs) Well, I, I, hey, I'm being very, very honest, man. I, I I love youth ministry, and I love being a youth pastor, and I love serving youth pastors, and I want to do everything I can do. I'm only going to live so long. I'm 45 now, so it's just ticking away, man. So I want to serve as many guys as I possibly can. And so for the truth of the matter is, is to get a year-long training, 12 hours of training, plus contact throughout the year um, for $75, is and that's it, that's what I want. I want it to be like, man. There's no reason. There's no excuse. Small church, big church, mega church. We all can do this. And so, yeah, it'll be a. There's an email available to everybody that enrolls, and uh, 
every day I'm going to get online and uh, converse back and forth and build relationships the best we can. Man, that that is awesome. Uh, I love your your heart for that, and I know that there's many guys that are part of the Youth Pastors Roundtable that have already uh, said they wanted more. Uh, we've got after your call, Kevin. I know we got a lot of emails and text messages saying, "Man, that was that was awesome. How do we get more?" Uh, and so uh, it's awesome that you put that together. And so uh, I, I would say personally, man, I'm just really thankful for you to put put all that work together because I. I, I was at your uh, Keep It Simple conference when a lot yeah. of that material was kind of put together. I can tell you guys, I, I've heard most of this content before, and it is powerful. Uh, it is very practical. It is very uh, plug-and-play, you could say. You know, it's listen to it, and you can activate it right there in that moment and, and put it together. And so I would, especially for $75, I mean, it's, a, it's pretty much a no-brainer. Uh, so I would highly recommend all of you guys get that. And we will put the the information for that in our email. Uh, so, Kevin, thank you so much for uh, taking some time. I know it's uh, early in the morning there, but you're an early morning guy anyway, so uh, oh, appreciate yeah, your time. Yeah. Hey, thanks so much. And, again, you guys can just go to growmoreymu.com, and all the information's there. Hey, thank you so much, man. Thanks for, thanks for stopping by. We'll talk to you later. Well, hey, guys, uh, today we've got Joseph Kellogg on the, on the call, and uh, he, he really doesn't need much of an introduction. Uh, he is a youth ministry stud, a beast. Uh, beast mode is where he lives all the time, and he is just a, a youth ministry legend in the making. And uh, I'll tell you this, uh, his youth ministry is something uh, that you just can't imagine until you really get there and see it. And so... Uh, I, I've been so thankful for Joseph, your friendship and partnering together, uh, and uh, man, hearing you speak at camps and leadership coaching and training. Every time, I am just inspired. I am encouraged. I'm challenged. Uh, and so, the other thing that I love about uh, Joseph is is every time he speaks, it is so practical. Um, it's not out there too complicated. It is very practical. It is stuff that you can you can use right here, right now. And so uh, he he's married, uh, has uh, three daughters, and has been at the Oaks uh, in in just outside of Dallas for a few years, and uh, has great great ministry experience. Uh, much like what Kevin was saying, he's he's, he's been all over the map in terms of size and involvement of youth ministry, and so uh, I don't want to take any more of your time. Uh, Joseph, welcome to the table, and, and the table is yours. Oh, thank you so much, man. Can you hear me? Yeah, we got you. Go ahead. Awesome. Well, hey, Ryan, thank you for the opportunity, and, and for all the guys that are taking time out of their day. I, I know Thursdays, if you have youth ministry on Wednesday, you're kind of dragging in and and uh, and trying to get your head, you know, all together and thinking about everything that went right or went wrong last night. But um, I just want to say thanks for for letting me be on and, and man, get to hear to my dude Kevin uh, talk a little bit and I and I'll endorse him. Uh, man, I love Kevin. He's been a dear friend of mine for gosh, now it's like going on. And 11, 12 years, we were youth pastors in the same city up in Tulsa for a few years, and, and we would hang out, and, man, he is, uh, he is truly legendary. And so if you guys can take advantage of that, that is just uh, incredible. 
um, resource for you. And so, anyway, yeah, um, man, so excited to be on the call. Just give you a quick snapshot about me. I, um, I've been a youth pastor for 14 and a half years. Uh, so I started in August of 2001. Um, at that time, that's like a few years before. Were you Facebook. like were you like five Were you like five years old when you started, or what? Oh uh, no, I was twenty. I was twenty. That's, that's <laughs> close. Um, but yeah, I was twenty years old, and and uh, man, it literally uh, a lot of things have changed over the years. Um, and to think about pre doing youth ministry pre social media, pre YouTube, you know, like uh, all those things. It's it's funny because it's just a natural part of who we are today, but. Um, that wasn't the case back in the day. Um, but what, this is what I've learned is over the years, all that stuff changes. And it's going to continue to change and advance. And, and I'm thankful for those advancements uh, uh, in technology because we use those to advance the kingdom. But I know this is the students, um, they really haven't changed much. They, they truly just want someone to um, believe in them, um, help them grow. And, uh, you know, yeah, they might have some more distractions, but I believe that God can really use that. So I, I'm just going to spend a few minutes, really, I, I would love to get into more of a Q&A dialogue um, to help people where they're at. But um, and Ryan and I were just kind of texting back and forth and wanted me to talk a little bit about, um, a little bit about maybe uh, vision and a little bit about just growth and maybe sustaining growth. Um, early on in ministry, man, I, I, I would go to guys um, – you know, uh, go to guys like offices, you know, call guys. I just, I just wanted to know. I wanted to grow. I wanted to learn. And uh, I'd go to guys' places and, oh, man, that dude, that's your leader's manual. Can I have it? And, uh, man, I, I remember in the early years, I was just doing everything I could to, to really grow our ministry. In the heart, I think, was maybe pure, but in all reality, you know, and it was. I wanted to reach students, but it was about the number. I wanted to get as many students, as many butts in the seats, and I was a young leader, and, and so I worked so hard to get butts in the seats. And, and now what I've learned as I'm getting older and more mature and um, I'm in, um, going into an interesting stage of life that my oldest daughter will actually be joining youth ministry next year. And so I, I've kind of come to the realization that it's actually not about butts in the seats. It's more about butts in heaven. And how can I um, – help students not just attend a student ministry, but advance the kingdom and, and hopefully one day, um, man, <laughs> make it to heaven. Um, follow Jesus as adults and, and be great parents and be, be great husbands and wives. So when you actually change what the scoreboard looks like, um, the way you view growth is differently. Now, again, man, we need to get butts and seats to get them in heaven. But when they're in the seats, it kind of changes what you're doing. And so I just wanted to share really quick three um, – three steps in how I believe you can have numerical growth and spiritual health because the goal is to have both. Um, there's a difference between swelling and growing. My, my friend Brian Cromer talks about that. And, and swelling is like if you fall and you, you hit your, um, your elbow, it, it swells up really quick. And people's like, oh, that's awesome. It actually has a lot of attention quickly. But what happens, what eventually happens with swelling? It goes down. And so a lot of ministries, they have moments of swelling, but they don't have long-term growth. Now, if you want to have um, big old muscles, you don't just go to the gym one time. You, you go multiple days, and, you, and you, you get a regimen, and you're growing. And like maybe a year after you've been doing that, someone's going to go, dude, look at those arms. Those are huge. And they know how you got them. Like it, it's more of a health. And so I really want um, our ministry to have um, more of a healthy growth than a swelling growth. 
and I really desire that for, for student ministries and youth ministries across the nation. I, 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 I hate the, um, the lie of the enemy that it's about you know, the big night. Um, it's more than that. Anyone can have a big night with the right amount of pizza and the right amount of budget. Um, but, man, it's really about students living for Jesus and having a lifelong commitment. So I just kind of have three things that, for me, man, and these are like big umbrella statements, kind of, you know, they're, they're not just like um, there's, there's kind of little pieces within them. But to me, there's, there's, uh, there's three steps, yeah, uh, you know, how, uh, that you can take if you want to use steps or three points, whatever you want to use. Is The first one is just create space for relationships um, in your student ministry. So create space for relationships. Um, I, I really feel that it's relationships that, that students really desire. You can do a poll. You can Google and look at the stats. They're not coming because you're a great speaker. They're not coming because the band's great. They're not coming because your lighting was the best ever. They come because their friends are there or a leader knows their name, and, and it's our job to create space for relationships. And so um, – I love what John Ortberg says. John Ortberg says this, there's a God-shaped hole in all of us, but there's a people-shaped hole as well. And so for me, I, I believe that we need to, to literally approach student ministry in a relationship um, mindset. I, I think about Jesus. He didn't come to his disciples with a discipleship book or the latest sermon series. Um, he approached them with his life. And uh, we can look through Scripture, and, uh, and you can really see, like, how much he spent time with um, his disciples and the things they did. When you really look at Jesus' kind of span of ministry in those three years, it was youth ministry. Man, they're doing life together. They're, you know, they're going boating together. They're climbing mountains together. Um, they're eating together. They're getting kicked out of places together. Like, it is youth ministry uh, like, like never before. And the thing is, is at the center of that ministry that Jesus was, was doing, and again, I'm a big believer that he, he's the model that we should follow, is that it was about relationship. So I believe to have not just numerical growth, but, but spiritual health, you have to create space for relationship. And, and how we do that um, in our local context is small groups. We just, man, small groups are a really big deal. Um, I could do a whole session on small groups. There's some things out there that I've done. Um, Kevin and I did an interview together about small groups. If you want to hear more about that, um, I recently did a blog about small groups. So I have some stuff out there. I, I, so I don't want to spend the whole conversation on it, but we really believe that small groups is the model that Jesus used. So when he showed up, he wasn't trying to build a crowd. He, he literally started a small group, and then he built in them something that would be life-changing. And so for us, we do small groups. Practically, I'll just say it, it's every Sunday night. Um, we do 12 weeks in the fall, 12 weeks in the spring. And we have hundreds of students in 16 different locations in our region um, that are meeting together for two hours, going over the Word of God, um, creating this, um, this, this biblical conversation, um, continuing the narrative of Scripture together in that context, the same way Jesus did. And, and then they're, they're doing a relationship together. And then on Wednesdays, we, burst, we, we break out into huddles for about seven minutes um, for them to connect to each other. So our student ministry over the last five and a half years here um, in uh, South Dallas literally has just continued to grow. And there hasn't been a lot of like new series or, or catalytic moments that we've had. It's literally been more about just relationships have continued to grow and a small grows, and then we multiply it to another size of small group, and then we, we keep growing. So over, over five and a half years ago, we had seven small groups. Now we have 16, and we're seeing not just 
numerical growth, but we're really seeing health in that. And um, what, what's crazy, I'll, I'll give you real quick, is, is I, I, I'm about to go into the second um, kind of step to have both numerical growth and spiritual health. Um, there's a, a research called the Abbey Research. Um, it's a research that, uh, that One Hope um, did. And in this research, they um, literally uh, surveyed 100 and I think it was 145-something thousand students ages 15 to 19 um, in over 45 countries. Um, so it's not just here in America. And they found these three things to be true. Students that have um, a, and the word they used was spiritual, like vibrancy. And so the study's been done. And what, what, what happens, like what's the thing, what's the secret sauce for a kid to really be vibrant in their faith? And the three things were this, a, um, a strong like, like, uh, like family, so a, a family, um, a, a biblical community, and scripture engagement. And so they had script, uh, scripture engagement where they were engaged in the word of God. They had a, um, a spiritual, uh, a church community, and then a family. So really if you want to break it down, it's like family, church, the word. Those three things, uh, let's not overcomplicate student ministry. If you can get those three things right, students are going to live for Jesus past high school, not just at 14, at 40. You change the target. And so that's why for us, man, relationships are a big deal, and we're going to create space in our service for relationship. We're going to create space in our calendar for relationship. So that's a really big deal for us. And it, to me, it's, it's been backed um, through Scripture. It's been backed through surveys and, and stats that relationships matter in the life of a teenager and their adolescent. Um, the, the second do is, is just give, give students an oppor- opportunity. I, I've always said my job, really, if you were to give a job description as a pastor or a youth pastor, I am a facilitator of opportunity. I'm going to give a student an opportunity to accept Christ on a Wednesday. I'm going to get them an, give them an opportunity to worship the Creator through worship. I'm going to give them an opportunity to bring in a friend to an outreach. I'm going to give an opportunity to develop their gifts. I'm going to give an opportunity to experience friendship in, in small groups. I'm going to give them an opportunity to encounter God at a camp or a tree. I'm going to give them an opportunity to serve the community, to give to missions, go on missions. I'm going to give them an opportunity to, um, man, become a leader. All those things are about, like, giving, like, like, facilitating that. So really my calendar, the things that we do, it's really just, man, how can we give students an opportunity? You see, we've got to recognize that a student's commitment to an event or a pizza party is not commitment to growing their faith. Busyness does not equal godliness. And so it's not about keeping a student busy. It's literally about giving them an opportunity to grow. And so for you to have that, that spiritual health, not just numerical growth, um, it's, it's mean you're giving students an opportunity to grow. I heard one time, and this is a, a worth listen, um, Craig Rochelle uh, did a series called The Outlasters, and there's a sermon he did in that called um, Intentional Giving, I think, or Intentional Givers. And he talked about how that we need to be intentional about what we um, give students and that we need to be intentional as a church. Phenomenal um, sermon that he did. It's like a student ministry sermon if I've ever heard one. But what's crazy about it, he's really talking about that we under-challenge students. Like, think about, like, a, a, a student that was raised in a Jewish context. Like, dude, they're, they're having to learn the Pentateuch. They're having to, like, they're having to learn more about the Word of God. And, and it's like, here we are going, hey, you guys want some pizza? Oh, we don't want to over-challenge you guys. And, and, and you see that, that some different places, they get it, family, church, Scripture engagement. And so for us, we want to give them an opportunity um, to do that. 
Um, I, I love what my friend Scotty Gibbons says. He says, good things become bad things when they keep you from the best things. And so there's some good things you might be doing in your ministry that's on your calendar um, that actually become bad things because they're keeping your students from the best things. Hey, the last thing that I'll say um, is this when it comes to having um, numerical growth and spiritual health. And again, I'm not going too practical. Maybe in the Q&A we can do that. I'm kind of giving you kind of an all-encompassing. But the last thing is just be intentional. Our God was intentional. God is very purposely and systematically, he created the universe. And our ministry should be um, intentional. What we do um, should be intentional. What we do matters. So everything that gets on our calendar, that's what we're telling students to do. And so I, I believe that this generation, I mean, they, uh, they deserve intentionality in ministry. And so, man, be intentional with, with how you do your services. Be intentional in your messaging. Be intentional in when you're doing events. Like, don't just do it because someone else is doing it. Man, listen to the Lord and be intentional in those things. And so a big part of that for us is we're constantly evaluating what we're doing to make sure that we're hitting the target, uh, making sure that we're, we're on the right track. And so and those, are, those are some quick things there that, that I, I put down of, of just man, what, it, what it looks like to have both numerical growth and spiritual health. Again, I, they're, they're kind of big umbrellas that, you know, there's a lot of things that come under them. Um, but it's, it's, just really, it's really essential to know that, man, your job is to create space for relationships. Um, your job is to, to be, uh, be intentional and ultimately to give students an opportunity for growth. And, um, and, and ultimately, you're, living the, you're leaving the results to God. Um, you're just kind of a facilitator there. And so that's kind of my thoughts on that. I, I, Ryan, I, just, I wrote down literally this morning. I, I'm actually right now currently at Gateway Church. I'm in a classroom doing this call, our whole team's here at a Kairos event um, because we're wanting to do um, something similar, freedom ministry at our church and, and even eventually um, in our student ministry. And so um, I'm, uh, as I was looking over my, uh, you know, you and I's conversation over text, I just thought, you know, and vision, just if you want to kind of switch gears, like when it comes to vision, uh, I really believe I just wrote down four C's to vision. I think vision needs to be clear. Um, where are we going? Um, like that, that's the, the mission of the church hasn't changed. A lot of times we get mission and vision mixed up. Uh, mission is go reach disciples, like go and make disciples of all people. Like the mission's never changed. But the vision, the vehicle that we use to get there, it changes. But I, I believe that that vision needs to be clear. Um, and what are we doing? Um, what's the target? Um, it needs to be church-centric. And what I mean by that is this vision of the student ministry needs to be in alignment with the church. So if you decide well, we're going to be an outreach, like we're going to be an outreach student ministry, but your church isn't an outreach type church, you're going to find yourself being frustrated. Oh, we're going to be mission. We're going to go on mission trips, but your church doesn't go on mission trips. Oh, we're going to, you know, uh, we're going to, I don't know, fill in the blank. We're going to do this, but the church doesn't do that. Make sure that you're in alignment with the pastor and his vision for the church because understand those students aren't yours. They're, they're, uh, they're the, your pastors. Um, and so uh, my goal is to get our students surrounded and excited about the church logo, not my logo, because I know that we want them to be serving, not just in student ministry. Our, our, our play that we run every week, we get up every single week and say, hey, this is what's happening this Sunday. And if you, have a, if you don't have a place to serve on Sunday, go out and, and to our event table and sign up to serve on Sundays. Why? Because our vision and, and what we want to accomplish with students is church-centric. Uh, the, the third thing is, man, make sure that your vision's compelling. 
like, man, what you're telling students, they, they, students want to be inspired. Um, they, they really want inspiration more than information. And so uh, we want to give them information. But a lot of times when we get up and talk about what's happening in our student ministries, it's boring. And we're going through our, our points and our checklist, and, and students aren't inspired. They, you need to have a vision that's compelling. I, I think about Paul when he's like, I'm compelled like, to preach this gospel. That's huge. And the last thing I would say on vision is it needs to be consistent. And what I mean by that is like vision, um, vision drifts. Like, like vision, like, like um, ultimately it's like there, there's a constant, like people forget where we're heading. And so um, you need to constantly be reminding students, this is, this is what we're doing. Last night it, it, in our, our pre-service prayer, I had a moment with all of our students that were praying, our leaders at prayer, and just told them, and this guy, this is who we are, and this is what God's doing, and, and he's, he's expanding our angst. And, this, it's, and it was a word from the Lord. But for me, in that moment, I was just reminding them of the vision. The, the consistency of vision keeps people heading down the path. If I go from... Florida to California, and I put the GPS in my phone. The thing is, is, is homegirl or whoever's voice you have on your phone is gonna, it's gonna be consistently telling you, almost to a point of annoying. Hey, turn here, exit's coming up. You might have a long straightaway, but then it's gonna remind you, keep on this road. You as a leader, you have to have a vision that's that's constantly being spoken over the people. And so, literally, I just jot those four C's down. Hopefully, they they help you. Um, but anyway, man, those, those are kind of my thoughts I wanted to share. Um, and I believe that we can have numerical growth and spiritual health. A big part of that, even what we're doing, comes down to a statement. And I'll just say this is, is count the numbers that matter. Um, your Wednesday night attendance will just be a direct result of, of spiritual growth. And so for us, we count the numbers of like how many students are giving, how many students are serving on a Sunday morning, and celebrate those numbers. Um, because whatever you celebrate, people are going to see that those are the things that matter most to you. And so if you just celebrate the Wednesday attendance, but you never celebrate um, you know, the kids that went to camp uh, or the kids that are attending a small group, like kids just think it's all about the number. But it is about the number because, as we've heard Perry Noble say, and other people have adopted it. And I don't even know if Perry started it. Was every number has a name, and that that uh, and that name has a story, and that name matters to God. We know that. We count that. I can talk you guys through practically the data that we walk through. I spent an offsite just a few weeks ago, and all we talked about was like, awesome. We have a lot of kids that came for the first time. But how many of these kids are are giving, going, like, and are we really hitting the mark? Because a lot of times student ministry will judge how many seats, how many butts are in the seats on a Wednesday and think that's success. But why don't you look how many kids are living for Jesus after they've graduated, how many kids are contributing on a Sunday morning, how many kids have healthy marriages post your ministry. That's actually the true metrics of success. So anyway, um, Ryan, hope that was, was good. Um, I went, man, about 25 minutes here and would love to have some dialogue and questions. And maybe I totally missed the mark. And uh, you guys can help me, and, and uh, I can I can ask you know answer some questions that, that maybe are more resonant to where uh, people are. Yeah, man, that's <clears throat> that is awesome. That's awesome. So uh, and th- so thankful for that. And I know that growth is always a tricky tricky thing to talk about, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. You know, it's it's always it's growth, tithing. Those are kind of uh, some big issues there. So, hey, we're going to switch over to a time of Q&A right now. And so Cameron's going to go ahead and, and hit that button. And if you...
you guys have a question that you'd like to jump in with, feel free to hit star six, and we'll get to you guys uh, in the kind of the order that you guys go for it. And so, but uh, to kind of get things going, uh, Joseph, what what was that process like for you uh, of finding the balance of partnering with the church's vision and maybe, you know, making it your own and not just, you know, word for word copying it, but kind of making it your own, adapting it, but still partnering. What did that process look like and how what, what, how did you kind of come about that? Okay, is he still muted? It could be even like verbally, like, hey, this um, this is our church's vision statement, but and this is ours. But what I've learned <clears throat> is uh, a statement I heard Andy Stanley say at like a Catalyst one day. He said, um, "Vision isn't what's on the wall; it's what's in the hall." And so you can have the same statement as your church, but if you don't live the same, it doesn't matter. So literally for us, we have some culture values for us, some um, uh, what we call culture statements. They're like on our walls. That those aren't the same culture statements as the as the oaks, but they they are in um, the core of who the oaks are. So one of our culture statements is we are you know um, we're spirit empowered. Gosh, we have a very spirit empowered driven church, and so you see that statement. You experience it on Wednesday. Um, you're going to experience that on a Sunday as well. Um, you you see one that says um, we serve the local church. Man, you hear about it on a Wednesday, you see it on Sunday. It's actually seen in the hall. So it's a statement of ours, the culture statement. Um, small groups are a big deal, not just for us. It's small groups are a big deal for our church. And so um, I think the biggest thing is, is listening closely, being aware of what's happening in the church because you're handing them on. The student ministry is just a microcosm of, of the church. And so for you to, to kind of look at that. But I went through seasons, Ryan, that um, – as a young leader, I thought my way was the best way, um, like we all do. <laughs> and so I thought, well, my vision is bigger than the pastor's vision, and I'll do what I want to do. And what I realized is, yeah, we had a lot of kids maybe showing up on a Wednesday, but they weren't transitioning well to Sunday church. And forget about music style, forget about anything. I wasn't setting them up for success when it comes to the, the big vision of the church, the big C church. And when kids go off to college – they're leaving our church anyway. So how am I setting them up to go be a part of another church one day if it's just all about us? And so to answer your question, it took some time. Um, it took me growing up and maturing some and asking the right questions, what success really is. And so that vision for us, um, it, there is a lot of alignment. There is a lot of same language. Um, but the language doesn't matter if the lifestyle um, doesn't match. And so for us, we just look at the church, even with like missions giving. The last few years, we've given a lot of money to missions our students have, but it's been in partnership with our church, and, and our kids are giving to the things that the house is excited about. So our, our, our church is really big believers in church planning. So you know what? The last year, we raised like $30,000 to support church planners. Um, and so our students, I, I, I have to listen. I have to ask those questions, you know, um, as well, and 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 uh, and make sure that we're in alignment. So that's a very long answer, but yeah, in the early years, I, I wasn't asking the right questions. Now um, I've grown in maturity and realized that the the finish line's different. It's not graduating high school; it's getting to heaven. So if I know the finish line's getting to heaven, then my job in the seven years I have with the student is to prepare them for that um, for that uh, that race. 
Yeah, that's so good. And I know it's it's really uh, it's really hard, you know, to, to find that balance. And so, thank you for so much for that. Uh, let's go to our first question. I think it's uh, Andre. Yeah. What's up, Joseph? It's Andre Anderson. Oh, what's up, dude? Chilling, baby. Um, all right. So, in in listening to what you're saying, uh, some of the guys on call, you know, when we're thinking through, okay well, we got to go with the senior pastor and what his vision is and what's celebrated. Um, what if you're in a situation where what's celebrated is only butts in the seat? How then do you balance and do what's right by what we know is right? You know, honestly, in our heart and even through this conversation, like this is what it's all about, but still yeah. honor our pastor, you know, because that's a, that's a very delicate line. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I've worked for that kind of pastor uh, many times, and to be honest, I probably was that pastor as well. And so, you know what? I, I give them those numbers. When I work for a pastor like that, I text him our numbers on Wednesday night. Hey, awesome, look what happened. So I had to start changing the narrative, though, and, and so I would celebrate the numbers because I know my pastor cared about that. So ultimately, what I'm telling everyone, you better, you need to grow the ministry, like, you, you mm-hmm. can't – butts in the seats is where it starts, but what I do when they get in those seats is what I'm going to celebrate long term. So, number one, hey, if my pastor likes to know the attendance and how many kids were there and how many visitors were there, I'm going to give him that. But at the same time, in addition to, I'm going to tell him about this kid who's giving or this kid that's in a group. I, I'm going to – I'm going to keep celebrating kind of the things that I know are core values, not just to the church, but to the gospel. And so, um, and so I'm going to try my best there. And ultimately, the pastor's going to be satisfied because he's hearing about butts in the seat. I, I don't think a lot of churches, they'll say, well, we're just about discipleship. Discipleship produces, like, people. <laughs> so you can't just be about, like, that. Like no, discipleship is evangelism. It's like you... We're called to make disciple makers, which means we're making a little evangelist. They're reaching people. So I believe you need to be reaching people. Um, but if your pastors is all about that, the only thing I can say is, is once you start celebrating and putting in writing and, and talking about the things that, that I think in Scripture really matters, two things that happen. Your pastor is going to find – you're going to find yourself leading up, and your pastor is going to want to start asking those same type of questions. Um, to the whole church and going, man, why, why aren't, what's our small groups look like? I, I heard in youth they're killing it, and how can we do a better job? What are, you, know, you can change his conversation, um, you know, or you just, you just keep trying your best to know, hey, I'm going to be handing my pastors really healthy people when they get there. But I would even say, mm-hmm. sometimes I was going to say after uh, you know, the, the question from Ryan, there comes a time, though, if you can't serve under that leader, get up out of there. If you feel like, man, our philosophies are different, we're different, I feel like it should be this way, he says it's this way, man, the grace is lifted. You don't want to cause any tension in that church. Because a lot of guys, they love the job, they love the salary, so they're going to hopefully maybe wait the pastor out, I guess, one day. But that's not you. <laughs> the, pastor, the pastor serves the church, you serve the pastor. And so right. you're under his authority. And, and that's hard. But so, yeah, I would say, dude, Whatever, whatever his thing is, you celebrate it. I'm blessed right now. I've never had my pastor ask me one time, how many do you have? But I, this is what's crazy, though. I send him a report and tell him anyway, even though he doesn't ask. So my, I, I send an email every Wednesday night to my pastor and my direct report that says, this is, I literally give a, a quick, quick blurb. Hey, tonight was awesome. This is, we continue this series. This is what happened. 
And then I literally say, this is the night according to the numbers. I give attendance. I give the, uh, salvation number, visitor number, and then I'll put like, um, depends on what season we're in, this is how many kids are signed up for camp. This is how many kids are signed up for um, uh, mission trips. And then I'll say, hey, this is some things coming up. My pastor doesn't ask me for that, but my executive will tell you that they love it because my pastor never, he never has to question where I'm at. Last night I had somewhat of a frustrating night where I was asking too many questions, you know, going, why isn't this year, why isn't this year? I believe my team's job under me and my job under my pastor minimize questions. So if I can get that, that information in front of my pastor before he asks for it, man, he never asks. He knows already where we're at. And I'll send a monthly breakdown. I'll send yearly breakdowns. I'll show him our growth metrics. And so he doesn't even ask for that. But because I work for some guys that I know they like to know that, I'll tell him that. But in that, I add story. I make sure I celebrate with story and say, look, man, this is Johnny. I sent him a text last night. Um, we had a quarterback from one of our football teams that came for the first time. And, and I, I've been reaching out to this football program. And he came. And uh, I got to sit down and talk to him. I sent him a text last night. Hey, how can I help you? And the kid goes, hey. I need someone to disciple me. And I said, I'm your guy. I screenshot that, sent it to my pastor this morning. Man, how cool is this? So I, my job, I'm just filling in. It's not brown nosing. It's not like trying to get a raise. It's, that's my senior pastor. I want him to know I'm taking care of the area, the flock that I'm over, um, you know, and I'm doing my job. And he needs to know that instead of him questioning. I wonder if he's doing his job. Anyway, that was a very long answer. Hope it helped because for me, it's, it's both in. Make sure you tell your pastor what you, you, he wants. But if you really feel there's something that's more important, what, it's more than butts in the seats, then try to celebrate that. You know, I'm with him, and maybe he'll catch on and change what he sees. Or even send him some favorite sermons that you hear guys that talk about that or, or give him a book. Like, that's all about leading up. You know, 360 leader. Um, you, you have the ability to change, because I've been a part of that. You have the ability to help reshape um, the thoughts of your pastor. But it's going to take time work, prayer, and uh, helping him out. But if you feel like he never changes, um, then you might need to change. That's great. That's great. So uh, so helpful just to know that you, you got that accountability too. And it kind of pushes puts a little bit of pressure on yourself as well to, to make sure to get that. And I think a lot of guys don't even know what their numbers are. Uh, <laughs> And, and so they go home sweating it, but they don't really know what the numbers are, but they're sweating a number that they think they should have, but they're not even sure how far off or if they are there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. You know, there's the percentages that you should have in a certain size church, whatever, like 10% of the church you should have in youth ministry. There's all yeah. that stuff. But, you know, ultimately, it's, man, if you're, it's the kids in the seats, the kids that God has there, and, and you're trying to reach them, and, and the biggest thing is making sure that the, the, the parents that attend your church, their kids should want to go to your youth ministry. And so if you're reaching the world but losing the families of your church, there's a problem. So that, that's a big deal. And for me, man, I, I care about that. I want those numbers. I, every Wednesday night, I don't run home. I, I finish out the night. So I, I, I'm in my office. I get those numbers. I send the email. Um, like that's a part for me. To, to wrap up that night, and then it helps us going into Thursday and to see where we're at. Um, and for me, I keep up with the numbers from the years past. So if I see a number's low, I like to see the growth trend. And so I'll look last year and go, oh, we're low last year during this time. And then I look around and go, well, 
um, hey, the state fair is happening right now. Oh, um, two schools had pep rallies on a Wednesday night. Makes sense. I don't let that number define me. There's a, there's a great verse. Um, I'll get my Bible out real quick. Um, there's, a, there's a great verse in, I think it's in uh, Habakkuk. Um, yeah, Habakkuk chapter number 3, verse 17 through 19. It says, even though the fig trees have no blossoms, there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crops fell and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty. He pretty much is saying, dude, this thing's not growing. He says this in verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God, uh, uh, to the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. And this is a statement that I just wrote in my Bible is um, – Literally, my identity is not in the harvest. My identity is in the Lord. He is my salvation and strength. So if the numbers are low, I'm not low. My identity is in the Lord. If the numbers are high, I'm not high. My identities are in the Lord. Sometimes we just see it. it, it we can't have highlight-driven ministry. It has to be bigger than that. And so and yet when you're not just highlight, but you're a heaven-driven ministry, it changes your perspective. And so for me, I know that my identity, it's not in the harvest. For years, I, I would be down if it was down. Something Andy Stanley, I think, says this too, is like if you, if you take credit for the big nights, that means you're, you know, if you take credit for the low nights, well, I, I blew up, then you're taking credit for the high nights. Ultimately, God gets all the credit. So that's a tough balance. It's an internal thing that you have to grow into because, dude, if my faith is a direct result, my salvation is a direct result of how many kids are on Wednesday night, gosh, um, my faith would be shaken. It, it wouldn't be stable. Because if you've been in church long, attendance is never stable. It's up and down. And if you're a youth ministry of 30, which I've been at before, five kids aren't there, you're like, oh, where's everybody at? If you're in a ministry of hundreds, uh, like we get to be a part of now, we'll have nights that we're down 60, 80 kids. And, 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 and so those numbers, it doesn't matter. It changes from time to time. But you're, if I was go, oh, where's everybody at? Gosh, why do we suck? Now, again, at the same time, I know my identity is not in the harvest, um, but it's in the Lord. But then, you know what? We're going to work hard because the, the harvest workers, like it's our job to work the harvest. We're still going to work hard and count the numbers and go, hey, how can we get better? And, man, how can we listen to the Lord to help, man, students grow? But at the same time, I don't walk away and, and judge my success and failure based on those numbers. And, again, that comes to I'm at that place now because I've been doing this for almost 15 years, and and I've grown up in, in some maturity as well. I hope. Yeah, that <laughs> that's that's really good. Hey, let's jump over to uh, Adam. Hey, Joseph. It's Adam from Southern California. Thanks for uh, sharing with us today. Oh, you're welcome, Southern Cal. Come on, you woke up early. Hey, got up early for you, man. I'm just excited to be here. Hey, you know what? Um, reflecting on some of the things you're saying, I think uh, I think it's important too that you know as, as leaders we set the temperature of the room and we mm-hmm. model for our leaders especially when you know when our numbers are low it's easy for our leaders to even question as as well as we are and go man where is everyone at and the more we verbalize things like that we we kind of set a, a negative vibe and and yeah. I think it's I've learned I've learned to to definitely uh, be positive and and uh, set that set that example for leadership um, so that, that's good. I, I wanted to ask a question, though, in regards to um, into into leadership. Could you give us a glimpse 
on your development strategy with your small group leaders, um, how you keep them accountable, and perhaps what some of the requirements look like uh, with your leadership when working with your small groups. Yeah, I, I need to probably get Ryan some, some of that stuff to upload for you guys. I've just been in a crazy time. I think he wanted some of that stuff ahead of time to send to you. Um, yeah, it's scary. This is what I've learned is um, to grow large, you have to grow small. It's literally a model that Jesus implemented for us. But it's, it's scary because I'm really putting discipleship in the hands of my leaders. And that is like, man, uh, you get a little nervous about that. And, uh, and so for us, the development pipeline, it, it, it's, it's pretty it's, – uh, we're getting better at it constantly, but there is, there is a process that we bring them through. Um, we do a couple of big trainings a year. So our, we, have a, we live in kind of a college town, so we have a lot of new leaders that come in every year. So the very first of the year, we do a thing called Leaders Training. Really awesome name, right? Um, so we do a thing called mm. Leaders Training, and we bring them through – hey, this is uh, who we are, this is what we do. And we talk about kind of our honor code. They have to sign an honor code that says that they're going to live at this level of lifestyle. Um, and then we break them into their small group tables um, where they get to meet their host home parent and they, they, they meet other leaders. And we spend time really developing them in that, in that sense. And then they start small groups. But from there, um, we have core leaders. So we have two core leaders in every group. And that group, like um, we have like three or four meetings a year that they're more like spiritual, like they were fun. Like we'll do one at the beginning of the semester, um, of the fall semester, where we teach them a couple of new games. We walk them through what a small group should look like. And then, um, and then we do another one that's at my house, and literally we turn our living room into like a threshing floor, into a place of prayer. And, um, and students, our, our leaders are praying. And, and for us, we're very spirit-empowered. So it's like, man, we pray in the spirit and, uh, and, and ask what God's wanting to say to us, and, and the leaders start getting a word for their group, for their students. It's incredible. And so, but that's our core leaders. Those core leaders also um, meet with our small group director every single Wednesday for a 10-minute huddle to go through what we're doing that Wednesday. They're doing a checkup. How's it going? So they're getting that as well. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else. We do a, a conference. We just did this last weekend. We do a, a conference that we host just for our leaders. Instead of them going to conference, we bring conference to them. It's called the L&M Summit, and it's a refreshing time for them to grow and develop. So we have, like, some big development pieces. Um, there's ongoing training with the core leader, and then we also have zone leaders that, that are going to those groups and checking in on them and um, encouraging them, helping them. Like, um, and if we see, like, a group, like we had a group that um, one of our zone leaders went to that they were just really struggling with the kids' attention. So we brought that group in this last week and talked to them to encourage them, and, hey, here's some tips to help you do a better job. And so there's kind of ongoing coaching and training that happens throughout the year. Um, we do have leaders that, uh, that usually, <laughs> I shouldn't say usually, uh, we have a couple of leaders probably a year that break our honor code, and, um, and we bring them through a restoration process. They have to step out of leadership, um, and we hmm. bring them through a, a, a usually about a three-month restoration process, um, and then they have to reapply to be a leader again. Um, I really think that matters. For me as a leader, um, as a pastor, there's two things that I'm responsible for. First, I'm a shepherd, so I have to be a, um, a shepherd over students. And then also I'm a steward. I have to be a good steward over our leaders. And so I will remove a leader from leadership because I'm a good shepherd, but I will walk with that leader through restoration because I'm a good steward. And so understand for me those are two things. And I had to learn that the hard way. I let some leaders go years ago. And they don't serve the Lord anymore because I was like, hey, you're done. 
but really, they screwed up. We've all screwed up. And so we extend grace. We walk through with them with some things. And we've had some that have come back in, and, and they're stronger for it. And so um, sometimes the best thing you can do is tell someone they can't be a leader. And so, um, so for us, hopefully that kind of helps you. We send emails. There's a lot of emails that are happening. I'll shoot some videos, some email, like, like video training that we'll kind of talk to people to, to engage them. Um, and so there's kind of ongoing conversation. But, yeah, it's, it's a big um, – we're even rethinking some things now, creating a, um, an on-ramp, almost like a trainee. And it, so for, before people can become a small group leader, they have to set in on a small group for like uh, four to six weeks. And then that core leader will give us the thumbs up or thumbs down of like, hey, yeah, I think they're ready or, or they're not. Because ultimately, if those leaders aren't healthy, our students aren't healthy. And uh, we're blessed right now. Our, our leaders, man, they're the ones going to the games. They're highly involved. They are many youth pastors um, spread out all over our region. And so it's taken us a long time, years and years, to get better. And we're still getting better. We're still learning um, and, and how to get better uh, with that as well. So hopefully that answers your question. So. Hey, thank you. That's good. All right. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, I think, Cameron, you got a question? Yeah, hey, Joseph, this is Cameron Albrecht, a youth pastor up in Edmond. <clears throat> hey, uh, one of the things that caught my attention that you said at the first uh, was the three things it would take for a student to really carry on their relationship with Christ outside of high school. You said uh, family, church, and the word. Um, and I know as a youth pastor, obviously, our big part is that church. Um, mm-hmm. And then also we can give them tools to really get them interested and engaged in the word of God. Uh, but the one that's kind of out of our control a little bit is the, the family side of things. So what are some things that you do in your youth ministry to help engage uh, the family of the student into uh, the student's walk with Christ? Yeah, it's, it's a huge question because this is the thing. And why, why even that research I told you about, I, I've been blessed. I've been part of a, a journey. We're going on a year now. I'm actually flying back out there. Uh, to Florida uh, with One Hope. You need to just check out if you, if you um, jump on. I don't know what their website is, but it's One Hope. It's an organization that, that wants God's Word with every child. But we're working on something we're calling the Youth Ministry 2.0. Myself and uh, four or five other youth pastors from around the nation, unbelievable youth pastors at high-level churches. Um, and we've been, we're going back out there to talk again. We're trying to think about what's the catechism look like for a student. We, we lost our way in really helping students mature in Christ. And that's where I found out those three things. And so I, I think the church thing um, we do have, that's the small groups, that's community. I think we do need to grow in scripture engagement. I, there's little things I've done. You don't have to do this. This is just who I am. I don't preach from the stage anymore because I realized God didn't call me to stage. He called me to students. And so I preach from the floor. I have my Bible out. We, we, a lot of my, man, we are engaging Scripture. It's not maybe the most fun service, but kids are showing up. You know why, like, the Calvinist movement, a lot of these reformist movements are growing? Because people are wanting to go back to tradition. Students need to know that they're part of a greater narrative, that what happened when we take communion, we're a part of a greater story, the, the Passover story. When we are baptized, we're a part of a greater story. It's not just a churchy thing you get a T-shirt for. It's something Jesus did. So anyway, that's a side note. Parents. So all that being said, we've been trying to ask ourselves the same question. We allow parents to come. I have... Uh, save the back two rows in our auditorium. It's safe for parents. I want parents to show up if they want to on a Wednesday and attend. We have parent check-in. 
We want parents to attend our weekly service. Um, we, we send emails to parents every single week of what's happening in our student ministry. Um, the other thing is we are now moving to the question. So a small group leader, they need to be kind of looking at this at a checklist. Okay, my kid comes on Wednesday. My kid comes on, um, uh, on my, my student comes on Wednesday. My student comes on Sunday night for small group, but he's not coming on Sunday morning. I need to figure out how to get Johnny to Sunday morning service. And when I'm talking to Johnny, I need to ask the question, do your parents go to church anywhere? Oh, they don't. They love to invite them. Well, really, it's just the next challenge, challenging students for them to become a Sunday attender and to get their parents to Sunday church. So we did a data, and I'll just, I'll just throw it out at you so don't get – so last year we had over 1,000 students or so um, come through our doors. So we did this, like, these seven kind of questions because we really want to become more healthy. So, okay, out of 1,000-something students, 500 attended a small group. Awesome. Out of those 500, and so literally it's the same. We're looking, we're trying to track the same students. Out of those 500, um, uh, I think it was like two, whatever, 270-something attended a camp. Out of those, attended a mission trip. Out of those 78, um, uh, it was something like 50 of them gave to missions. Out of that, um, there was, and then we asked the question, uh, uh, if their parents attend our church, and I think it was like 200 and something parent units um, are, are attending our church in the data. This is crazy. A student that completed all of those, okay, so church attendance, oh, oh and they serve, and so how percent, this is crazy. So from 1,000 something students, only 11 students like met the criteria for all of the things that we thought should help a student be healthy. So really, I don't get all jacked about 1,000 because if only 11 students are walking through what we really feel can help them be lifelong followers, we actually suck and aren't doing our job. And so that's kind of the, the I know it's uh, vulgar language, language if you want to say it, but I say it all the time. But we, we suck. We're not doing our job, and we, and we say that to, to our team. So for us, that means our team now is asking harder questions. Why, does this kid's parents come to church? How can I help this parent reach his family to come to our church? And so that's just a big deal for us. I, I, didn't, I don't know if I answered it fully for you. We're trying to figure it out as well. We feel like communication, parents need to know that. We, we have a space for them to be on a Wednesday night attendance, to be there. Um, we, we, and now it's us asking the hard questions. We know if, if Johnny starts serving on Sunday and he's like parent, he's getting up and going to church to serve on Sunday to serving kids or serving guest services, mom and dad's going to go, what? My kid's not sleeping in. He's going to church. And we would pray that that would eventually help that kid. But And uh, something else, small groups. Um, if a, t- a kid attends a small group, they get an email every Monday, the parent does, that says, this is what your kid talked about last night. Here's some questions to ask them. So we see it as a partnership. One of our culture statements for us is we will partner with parents. And so the parent's the number one discipler, but we want to partner with them. But out of those three, we feel if we can get two out of three, because you guys can name students, so can I, students that had horrible parent situations but are rock stars in the kingdom now. So if I'm going to help. I'm, I'm not going to ignore the parent side. I'm going to work really hard to hopefully engage them. But, man, if I could knock it out of the park with church and scripture engagement, man, I, I pray that, that the, the parent side of it's going to help. But last week we had a small group student, a junior high girl, seventh grade. Um, like we had leaders that had to go over her house because her mom was passed out drunk. And so, like, like, so we're, we're living that crazy life with these, parents, these kids that parents don't care, but we're trying to support them. I'm not a big fan. I struggle with the whole thing of like, hey, we're your family. No, they have a family. Um, we need to help them reach their family. 
Um, this isn't their family. This is their church. And I think a lot of youth ministries have tried to do, oh, we're successful because we have all these kids trying to win tonight. But none of these kids' parents are going to, to live for the Lord or, or there's, there's things that are going on. And that, that's the pain. Again, that's changing the question. When you change the question of, oh, that's cool, we have this many kids showing up, like, oh, how many kids do we have tonight? That's a great question. How many of those kids' parents attend on Sunday? That question makes you work harder. Yeah. That's good. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Hey, I'm just letting you know we're in the middle of it, and we're really trying hard to. We're really trying our best. That's why I'm a big believer in going to ball games and doing stuff like that. I meet parents. Like, you you know, parents actually don't want to see, and it's cool, and I wear snapbacks, and I'm really trying hard for almost being 35, but I'm not cool anymore. I told one of my guys, like, you have the swag, I have the dad. Like, I'm the dad guy now. And uh, it's a fun place to be, but, man, I want to go to parents, connect with them, and let them know that, man, I'm trying to champion their student and help them, you know. Yeah, that's good, Joseph. I really appreciate it, man. Yeah, that's, that's a great way of, of integrating the youth ministry and the church as well. So, Joseph, you got time for one more question? Yeah. Okay, let's go to, uh, let's go to Blaine. Hey, Joseph, uh, my name is Blake. I'm from Oklahoma, and my question was, what is your structure in the youth ministry for the small groups? Um, define structure. What are your services look like? Okay. Um, I'll kind of, for us, it's just like uh, we went every, we, we get up and say, it literally is a culture statement that kids repeat. That's, you need to create sticky statements that, that, it's, it's better when they become reality, but, man, get, again, that vision point in the right direction. I get up every single week and say, hey, guys, what's up? We're so pumped you're here. Thanks for being here. Man, uh, here at 7, we, uh, we follow the model that Jesus put in place. It's just something he put in place for growing the church, and it's called small groups. And, man, here at 7, small groups are, and when I say are, everybody else, a big deal. That's right. Small groups are a big deal. And, and we want you to get into a small group. So literally on a Wednesday night, we do huddles. We put a map up on the screen. We break up our groups um, geographically. There's city groups geographically. Um, so there's different kind of groups. There's free market groups. There's you know, all these different kind of groups. But we feel like city groups in those geographical regions are the best way. Connect with kids that you're already going to school with. So we have a map up on the screen. Our leaders have signs, and they break out. So we get 100%, 100% participation on a Wednesday where they're forced to go to a group. If a kid has a white wristband on, uh, they know, like that leader knows, hey, they're a first-time guest. And so they're really trying hard to connect them in that group. It's a five- to seven-minute huddle time. What's cool is we've done a lot of different things in those huddles. We've done offering in those huddles. We've done communion in those huddles. Like it really breaks the, the ministry down for five to seven minutes. And so um, that huddle, they're inviting them to come to Sunday night. So Sunday night we meet from 6 to 8. Again, we have a, a matches our church culture. We don't have search on Sunday night. It's four small groups. So from 6 to 8, we meet in different homes. We really believe, you heard me kind of talk about parents, we believe that parents should help model what's happening. And so we have moms and dads that are there at those homes. They open the door. They're, they're, they're sitting at the kitchen table with these kids. They don't have to be in discussion groups, but we want them to model what mom and dad, a healthy mom and dad looks like for the kids that don't have them. And so in that small group structure, the first hour um, is they eat together, certain ones play a game, each group kind of has their own thing. Say if one has a basketball court or a ping pong table, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of that just conversation, hanging out, doing that thing. Then we move into a time of worship. Every group has live worship. And um, live, as in they'll, they'll sing with guitars or they'll sing with a CD, but they sing a couple of songs. 
people go, won't that be awkward? We really feel that worship breaks the ground for the word, and especially in a junior high group, it refocuses everybody. And then they break into discussion groups. So what's crazy is I say we have 16 small groups, so we actually have 30-something because each small group has multiple small groups within it. So if a group has 25 in it, they'll break into two or three different groups, and they have different leaders in those groups. So in that time, they go through discussion. We currently, and have been using for the last five years, um, the LIVE curriculum from Simple Youth Ministries. It helps us keep on track. The leader can go on, download it, um, their, their conversation. I pick the discussions, and that's the way it kind of works. And you can pick the discussion, so they go through, they go through that discussion, um, have a time of prayer, um, and, and that's kind of a, a typical Sunday night. And so um, we really feel like it, it is the um, – we've had about three times in the last year that we've had more students at a small group than we have um, on a Wednesday night. So this last week we had 320 in homes. Um, that's crazy. I, I'm blown away by that. Um, and for us, it's, it's because kids really value that community, and we have leaders really investing in them, involved in their life, going to their lunches, going to their games, um, really being that, that pastor and expert in their life. So hopefully that helps you to give you kind of the structure. So what's cool is so on a, win, on a Sunday night, a leader saying, oh, you haven't been to Wednesday? You should come to Wednesday. On a Wednesday, we say, oh, you haven't been to Sunday? You should come to Sunday. And so we kind of see it like that. When we meet students in VIP, which is our visitor process after service, um, when I meet students, I go, oh, man, nice to meet you. Ha- um, man, have you been to a small group? If they say no, I'll go, well, what breakout did you go to? This one, awesome. And I'll literally soak a little paper in their little bag and go, man, you need to go to that group. And if you want, because a big group really scares people. But I would say, too, if you have a group of 20, break them up, man. If you have a group of 100, like figure out a way to do, to do small, figure out a way to, to, to engage that relationship. And if you guys go on Kevin's podcast, um, Kevin Moore's podcast, I did a podcast maybe, uh, I think it was this summer, but him and I, he, did, he interviewed me, and I'm not doing this, to, I'm just letting you know, I really talked through, we have a, whatever, 30, 40 minute conversation all about small groups, um, and here's some of those things there as well, so. That's awesome, man. Appreciate your time. Hopefully uh, you guys continue to have a great time down at the uh, Kairos Tree. I know it's, it's pretty powerful. Yeah, it is. It's funny because I already had this scheduled, and they, like, get up there the first session and say, hey, turn off your phones. Like, Kronos time. Like, man, it, it demands things of you. This is Kairos. Like, let the Lord. And I'm sitting there going, uh, I'm about to go do this phone call. And so I have a lot of friends here, so they got, they got me a place to, to hang out during this, this hour. So I uh, really That's appreciate awesome. the time. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Looking forward to hanging out with you guys or hanging out with you soon. So, Hey, just a couple of reminders about uh, our announcements. Uh, we've got uh, Kevin Moore's uh, his youth ministry university is now available for pre-orders up until March. You can get go there to growmoreymu.com. We'll have that in the website. Uh, also, next month, we've got a uh, youth pastor from uh, New Life Church in Colorado. It's going to be fantastic. You don't want to miss that. It's going to be on... Uh, February 25th. You're going to want to be a part of that for sure. And uh, we are also available for bookings this semester. So if you uh, have a youth service that you'd like us to come out to, please give us a call. And we'd love to hang out and uh, serve you guys in any way that we can. So thank you guys so much for being with us. Thank you, Joseph. Thank you, Cameron. And thank you, everyone who's uh, been a part of this. And we look forward to serving you guys more in the future. Uh, Have a great week. Have a great month. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, everybody.
Great hanging out with you guys. We'll see you all later.